KYW News Radio Original Podcasts. This is KYW News Radio In Depth. I'm Matt Leon. Analytics have become a huge part of the landscape of sports, changed the way many people look at and talk about teams and games, even changed how many teams approach building their rosters and the types of players they target. Now, it is always fascinating to dig into the data, and Villanova University business student Ethan Carpenter has done some really impressive work looking at basketball, specifically looking at recent NCAA tournament teams and breaking down what players have the most impact. Is it freshmen, sophomore, juniors, or seniors? Wanted to learn more about his findings and also learn what it can tell us to look for in this year's tournament. So check out our conversation. Really interesting. When did you really start getting into analytics? It looks like most of the work that I've seen centers on basketball. Uh, what's kind of your origin story getting into this? Well, when I was nine years old in fourth grade, my friend invited me to a fantasy football league, and that really got me into sports. Uh, both my parents are big. Boston sports fans, and then being involved in fantasy football league got me into that. Somebody gives me an NFL almanac for Christmas, and it has the formula for quarterback rating. And being a little kid that loved math, that really got me going, got my brain going. So I decided to make my own running back rating, just like sitting in recess uh, with my uh, math teacher, Mr. Pellegrino, sitting in Excel, copying data from NFL.com. Whatever ended up giving me, I don't know, Adrian Peterson's the best running back. I decided it was good enough. Um, I kind of just kept going from there on and off up until now. And in middle school, I was really early on the Jordan LeBron debate. Maybe before LeBron even won a second title, I was on LeBron's side. So I shifted over to basketball more. That was my favorite sport of the time to play. And I tried to come up with some way to prove that LeBron was better than Jordan. And since then, it's just been working with whatever I can in basketball. Uh, and then especially when I got to high school and started writing code and a few computer science classes, that just opened up the door to do so many more things, just whether it's working with play-by-play data or tracking data or just bigger data sets in general. And then throughout college, it's been something I've done on and off. And then last summer during the quarantine, when there's nothing going on, I decided you know, this is something I've been doing for a long time by myself. Haven't really done anything publicly. It's more just been a small hobby. So I decided to tweet out um, some game recaps that weren't too interesting, but it was a bit different. And then this semester, I really knew, all right, I know what a COVID semester is going to look like. I have an absurd amount of time to just sit in my room. I don't have to walk a 30 minute round trip to go to class. Let me really make concerted effort to really follow my dreams as because it's really been what I've been doing for what is it now, 12 years, nothing else has really been around in my life uh, for that long. So between reaching out to a few professors, um, other people at Villanova, some people on Twitter, that really let me start to actually share my work. And it's paid dividends over the past month or so. When you say pay dividends, what kind of, when before we kind of dig into the numbers, what kind of windows has it opened? Um, the first, first, so there's this one guy on Twitter, Todd Whitehead, who does a lot of interesting work. On the side, he works at Berkeley. I believe he's a professor. And he connected me with uh, a site editor at a site called Fansided. And they have an analytics vertical called Nightline Calculus. So I talked to him. And just last week, I published my first piece. I have two drafts sitting on my laptop right now of other stuff I want to publish on there. So just I hadn't even thought about reaching out to them. He just set up a connection um, with an article I'd written before and shared with Todd. 
And then also there's a writer for a much bigger site called The Athletic. Uh, Seth Partner, I was writing something similar to what the little research I had done was. And he connected me and Seth and Seth included a little paragraph with a link to my work. And while it's not anything huge, it was still really, really cool. The first time anything of mine had been shared at all, it was on there. And then through Villanova, just talking through, that's how I ended up here. Uh, I shared it with a professor. She shared it with somebody else. She shared it with somebody else. And um, they like it when students do cool things. So they want to um, give me a little bit of publicity, even though I'm, I don't love it too much because I've barely done anything. I know my mom's loving it, so that's good. So let's let's dig down. I want to talk specifically about the NCAA tournament work you've done. What kind of give us the the premise here? What were you trying to learn? What was your goal when you started? Well, going in, I expected to focus on freshmen and seniors. So take a bunch of statistics. My focus was kind of who's the leader on the court, who's the guy that has the ball in his hands the most, who's most involved in the offense, and broke it down by class. And I expected to see maybe freshmen are low overall, but then when you get to Final Four teams, when you have your blue blood schools that get your five-star recruits, I expected them to just ramp up a ton. I expected that to be my conclusion, and maybe seniors are on the decline. And then as I went through it, I saw freshmen are maybe the leader of the offense 10 to 20% of the time no matter where you are in the tournament, whether it's every team, Sweet 16, Final Four. Sophomores weren't that relevant. Seniors, pretty significant decline. And just for some reason, all the juniors just ramped up. As you went from decade, probably about 2012, maybe they were leading an offense 25% of the time, up to 50, 60, 70% of the time. By the time you get to the Sweet 16, the Final Four, in the last few tournaments, and that just really surprised me. And I dug down deeper into it. And you look at a few teams. 2016 Villanova. Top two scorers are juniors. 2018 Villanova. Five of their top six scorers are juniors. The most outstanding player. Nine of them since 2007 have been juniors. And it was... I went in thinking I was just going to see a bunch of freshman studs taking over the tournament. Or see, oh, you know, old college basketball seniors are still dominating. But something about... about juniors just happen to make them perform better kind of give me as much as i don't want to get too deep in the, the the analytic weeds but you know what were you what were you digging into numbers wise like what were you taking into consideration you know was this was it scoring scoring efficiency was it amount of touches what what were you digging into well there's really this won't get into the analytical weeds too much, but there's four ways the player can be in the box score, be involved in the end of possession. And that's shooting free throws, taking a shot, turning the ball over or assisting a shot. Those are the ways possession is going to end. And you can directly measure that in the box score and in the play-by-play data. So just look at the percent of a team's possessions. How often are they involved? So say, your team has 100 possessions and one guy takes 20 shots and has 10 assists. That's 30 possessions used, 30%. And then from there, analyze, all right, there's five players on the floor at once. Which player has the highest load rate? So which player, how often is somebody the number one guy on their team? And if that's a junior, that's kind of a point towards the juniors. If that's a sophomore, it's a point towards the sophomore. So it's sort of looking at who's going to be the guy where you could be a superstar freshman, but you might always be playing second fiddle to a senior. So I was really just trying to see 
kind of answers the question, who's the centerpiece of the offense? How often is a given player the centerpiece of the offense, the central focus, most involved, has their hand everything? And to your point, and to your surprise, you found juniors in the NCAA tournament, especially as you, as teams got deeper. Yeah, where if you look at every, if you look at every team that made the tournament, uh, their juniors. And this were, is from they, 2011. Am I correct? Yeah, 2000. Yeah, to, 2011 on. Yes, yeah, so, so through 2019, juniors led by by 2019. Juniors went from leading the team 25% of the time to 40% of the time. When you look at teams that make the Sweet 16, they went from 25% up to 45%, or no, 50%. And then when you look at teams that made the Final Four, they went from 25% all the way up to 60 or 70%, which really surprised me. So it's not just that they're leading teams that make the tournament or nationwide. As you get further into the tournament, they become more and more relevant, which really surprised me. It's interesting because I've always kind of thought that, and I've not done, I don't, you know, done any of the work that you've done, but just as someone who's watched covered basketball, you can make the argument that freshmen and sophomores are inexperienced, they're young, maybe they're talented, but they're still trying to find their way. I mean, obviously, a lot of attention on seniors, but there's also a lot of emotion attached to being a senior. It's a last time, so that might sometimes, I don't want to say drag guys down, but there's a lot more and a lot of guys maybe already are looking one step ahead to what's next. Juniors, I think have that kind of that special mix of they've got the experience. They're still completely, I don't want to say that seniors aren't completely engaged, but they're there. They're kind of the rocks that are still growing, but they've also got the experience. So I think from a basketball standpoint, I wouldn't have guessed like you, I wouldn't have said that, but now that you say it and from what I've seen, it, it all makes sense. Yeah. I think of, I mean, you can always make a narrative to fit whatever results you find, but I think it's very much freshmen and sophomores are inexperienced. Whereas if you're a star recruit and you're still around as a sophomore, you're probably not playing that much because you probably weren't as good. And as a freshman, you're still 19 years old. And then maybe by the time you're a senior, you're not quite, if you were really good, you would have left by that point where juniors, it's also the first year on your back half where I remember for me in high school sports, when you hit your junior year, it's like, all right, you're no longer the freshman and sophomore potential. It's your time to shine. So maybe just having a longer runway takes the pressure off of the guys and they just perform better. It could also be, maybe it's a third year in the system. Uh, It could be something as simple as comfort away from home. I know it's mean like every year it's college, you just feel more comfortable away from home. And maybe it's more of a person aspect or student aspect that's changing more so than an athlete or an athletic standpoint. So given all the numbers you've run and the work you've done and what you've looked into and what you found, the trends you found, uh, can you provide any insight what we should look for, who we should look for, what teams we should look for in the upcoming tournament that's about to start later this week? Yeah, I would say the the Big 12 teams seem to have uh, some junior heavy teams that sort of fit the mold of past teams. And if you're trying to find a most outstanding player candidate that's in their third year, uh, the first Baylor, Baylor, while they're struggling, some COVID issues, just had a tough loss. Jared Butler's junior fits the mold of all the guys that have won most outstanding player. Illinois, I know they're a top seed. They've been just won the Big 10 playing super well. So it's not a hot take to say they're going to do well, but I would assume it with this Batman mask. Junior, third-year player is looking really well, good. Um, 
And then Texas was a team that's a bit different, a bit more interesting, three seed. And while their advanced metrics as a team overall don't look great, they're, I know they're top two leaders. And then I believe either the third or fourth leader are all juniors. So it's a junior heavy team. They do have one, I think, very talented freshman. I'm blanking on his name. And then they have some other senior and sophomore rotation players, but they're led by a handful of juniors that kind of fit the mold, similar to 2018 Villanova, where you have, I think they DiVincenzo, Bridges, Brunson, a few other guys that all could have been candidates to really lead the team. So I would say if you're looking for a team in each region, and I have not decided if I'm actually going to pick this, but Baylor, Texas, and Illinois all look like strong candidates to make a decent push. And then on the flip side, Oklahoma State, uh, the K train is took them far into the Big Ten tournament, but I'm not so sure. Just they're – their experience looking at their classes doesn't look like they're going to be set up for success. And then as much as it pains me to say, Villanova just doesn't fit the mold of anybody. Correct. I know they've fallen off. They're down to a five seed, but they're, they might be due for an early exit this year based on everything I looked at. That's it for this episode of KYW News Radio In-Depth. You can listen and subscribe to the podcast on the Radio.com app or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Matt Leon, and we'll have another episode out soon.